You're listening to The People's Podcast. I was honest. Was I brutally honest? Yes. But I think that that's the problem. Everybody's so scared to be honest with one another. This is JSC Radio. We're starting to see a lot more leagues and organizations that are actually becoming more city-based franchises. So, like, the Overwatch League is now doing um, home stands, which is, like, getting close to home in a way. And they have city-based teams and franchises. Now the Call of Duty Pro League is starting to do that as well. And I'm sure we'll see other ones, like the NBA 2K League is expanding that. Um, and so there is a market. And these, like, and I always tell people who kind of mock this scene is go to a big tournament. Like, go to the big tournament, actually see it in person, actually see how engaged these uh, viewers are. Go and maybe, if you can, go and see the training regimen for these pro gamers, right? They take this very seriously, and it's like, you know, and it, and, and it takes a lot of skill for them to be the top. Not every competitor within this, this scene is winning millions and millions of dollars. It's the top one. The same way that a lot of those same media people that are making jokes about esports are the same people who can't even play basketball themselves. You're listening to the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. <laughs> hey now, my name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 101st episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. How the hell is everyone doing? It is good to be back with you one more time and doing my first show as a 40-year-old. Holy hell. So I apologize for the little bit of the delay on getting this thing up here. We've had some technical issues, plus I will also explain it's kind of hard to do a podcast when you have stitches in your mouth and you're packed full of cotton. But stay tuned for that. I want to thank each and every one of y'all, and I do mean there's so many of you who supported and came out and repped so hard and showed so much love for episode 100, episode ASEAN, featuring the incomparable Jamel Hill. I thanked her at the end of the last episode, but I honestly cannot thank Jamel enough for coming on and doing that for me, doing that for you guys, doing it for us. And I certainly can't thank y'all enough for supporting that episode across all the different podcast providers. We're talking about SoundCloud and Stitcher. We're talking about Apple Podcasts, iTunes. We're talking about our friends at Google Play and TuneIn. We're talking about who else is there that has this damn show. There's there, uh, there's so many of them. There's Audio Boom. That there's so many I get tangled up and forget them half the damn time. There's Audio Boom. I already said that one. There's TuneIn. I already said that one. There's iHeartRadio. And of course, there's also Spotify. There's every there's Castbox. There's there's Podcoin. There's Player FM and, and everywhere else around the globe that checks out this podcast. I'm discombobulated because damn it, I got a tooth snatched out of my head. I I don't know even what to say right now, but I I am saying this much though. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for supporting me on social media at J Scott Smith. That's J-A-Y-S-C-O two T's S-M-I-T-H. I want to thank you for supporting the show on social media, both Twitter and Instagram at JSC Radio. Those pages are growing by leaps and bounds as well. Plus, of course, you now get to see 
a little bit of a preview of the show on the social medias. So I appreciate that. And all of you have checked that out. And and I already know, you already know who's going to be on this week's episode if you've been following us on Twitter and on Instagram. I want to also say you need to get on YouTube and hit that subscribe button as well as ring that little bell for notifications when something new goes up on the JSC YouTube page. That's bit.ly slash JSCTube. All right? Bit. Dot Lee slash JSC tube, all one word, all lowercase. Be sure to add that to your damn rotation. Hit that subscribe button. Smash that subscribe button as the, the YouTubers, which we will talk about in an episode like this, as the YouTubers like to say, hit that, hit that bell for the notification so whenever something new goes up, you won't miss it. Besides, the entire unedited Jamel Hill interview is already up on the YouTube page, plus some of the best of JSC Radio has already been posted up there. This episode is going to be getting up there next week, too. So make sure you follow on the YouTube page. We're going to start getting some original content on there. So you want to be one of the first ones to jump on. There's plenty of room. It's unlimited room. Feel free to follow us on the YouTube page. So what's happening this week? Well, I just celebrated a birthday on September the 5th. I turned 40 years old. 40. Good God. I'm not even sure how the hell to describe what saying I'm 40 years old feels like because it's just, huh, it's so weird because it seems like not that long ago I was 25 and tearing everybody's face off in Lansing, Michigan on Saturday Night Live on Power 96.5. Now here I am, 40 years old. I've accomplished so much, but yet I still feel like I've got so much that I haven't done. And this podcast is really a part of one of those big dreams that has kind of become a reality, is being able to do stuff like this. Like That's major league shit with Jamel Hill being on this podcast. It's major league shit being able to break a story like Ebony O's. It's major league being able to get people like Brittany Noble and Mayor Annie Brooks and Jennifer Caudill and Lara Witt and Adrian Lawrence and and my first ever guest, Janae Darden. And obviously Jasmine has become a, a mega entrepreneur. Jasmine Duke has become this mega entrepreneur. Big up to Renee Washington. Everybody's come on this show. And I took time to thank people on social media, but I didn't thank them enough even in the last episode for what they did. But to get to 40 years old, it's like, I I feel like I've accomplished a ton. And hell, if you're a black man, just to make it to 40 years old is, ew, that's, that, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. But just simply living is not an accomplishment. Doing is an accomplishment. And I feel like I've been able to do a lot, but there's still a lot I got left to do. And I guess I should also explain I spent part of my 40th birthday sitting in a doctor's office, but not just a doctor's office, a dentist's office in Northeast Philadelphia. Why? Because in one of my three jobs, in the middle of having a meeting with another instructor, my tooth decided to explode. And all of a sudden, I've got an exposed nerve. So I have to rush out of there, drive all the way back to Philadelphia to go get a tooth snatched out of my king head. Oh, it's just, it's it's absolutely fucking lovely. No better way to spend your 40th birthday than to get a tooth snatched out of your fucking head. It, it was lovely. And by lovely, I mean horrid. But, at, you know, at the end of the day, that's a hell of a story to eventually tell my kids if I ever actually have any, is that, hey, I got to spend my 40th birthday getting a tooth sawed out of my skull because it fell to pieces on me. So if I sound a little off and if certain things have been thrown off because of the tooth issue and because of the birthday and everything else that's why 
This this episode was going to drop on Tuesday, but then crazy things happen, life happens, and I appreciate my guest this week, Aaron Simon, joining me. Aaron, first time I saw her was on Twitter. I think it was a few months ago. She's this just full of energy, young, th- this young black and brown. She's black and Puerto Rican, as you'll find out more about her as the, during the uh, during the interview here. She's just a dynamic talent, and she deals with an industry that is often mocked. Gaming, esports, video games. Help me. I'm going to help you understand very quickly that anybody who knows me and knows me well, and especially remembers like the early days and early episodes of this show, there is a heavy video game influence in my life. I was a gamer before gamers had names. I got my first video game system, the Atari 2600, back in 1985. Okay? I've been playing video games since they were little blips on screens. Since I was was playing friggin' Pac-Man and Frogger. Uh, Since I was out here playing Excite Bike on the Nintendo. Since we were out here doing Space Command on Atari. The original Mario Brothers on Atari. I was a gamer before gamers were gaming. So as I got older and somewhere in my parents' house, by the way, I'm actually recording this show from Detroit. Came back home for the birthday weekend. So I'm actually recording from the Motor City, ladies and gentlemen. And I have somewhere in my parents' house, so I've come back here to visit them. Somewhere in my parents' house is a photo album that has a picture of nine-year-old me in 1988 holding a Nintendo Entertainment System above my head like the Stanley Cup when I got it for Christmas in 1988. I was I spent that entire Christmas running on the power pl- on the power pad or the power plaid whichever on the power pl- on the power pad doing the world class track beat and my dad got a kick out of playing Duck Hunt and of course everybody's favorite super mario brothers when video games enter your life and you're a black kid it's like a whole new world now i've always been a nintendo guy and aaron and i get to talk about get to talking about systems and games and all this too but i've always been into video games and i've always been a nintendo guy whether it was the nes or the super nintendo or the gamecube or 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 game boys whatever I didn't get my first non-Nintendo system until I got an Xbox when I was 25 years old. But video games meant so much to me. I have a great story I shared with Aaron about an incident in 1990. But video games aren't just simply fun. They're huge business. Anybody who knows me, or or hell, if you just go on to my YouTube, because I'm sure some of my liked videos are there, a lot of them are gaming videos. Yes, I am one of those people who could sit and watch someone play video games for hours. What up, though, Dashy? What up, though, Game Grumps? What up, though, J.D. Witherspoon, whose dad, of course, is a Detroit icon himself and the legendary John Witherspoon? That's just some of the guys I watch. I watch gaming videos. Big up to Up, Up, Down, Down. When you mix my two, two of my favorite things, pro wrestling and video games. Big up to Up, Up, Down, Down. The, the gaming industry is massive. It's huge. It's big business. It's not just big business in terms of entertainment. It's big business in terms of competition, which is what, well, it's part of the thing that Aaron does for Cheddar Sports is that they have an eSports section. 
I still remember sitting in a newsroom at a radio station that shall not be named a couple of years ago when a story came across that the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers was going to be going into business to buy this building in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and they're going to create an esports arena where literally it is an amphitheater set up to watch competitive esports, whether it's Overwatch or Call of Duty or, or any of the numerous games. There's going to be an NBA 2K, which the NBA is literally tied into. NBA 2K League, all that good shit. And I remember the sneers and the typical played out mockery of gamers. And I'm sitting there and I look up from my cubicle and I say to them, you guys really don't understand. That is a big effing deal. Like gamers, like all you have to do is when they're packing out the Staples Center, when they're packing out Caesar, the, the, the Caesars Grand Garden Arena, when, when, they're, when they're putting 10, 15,000 people in an arena to watch video games, it's more than watching video games. That's revenue. And that's not even getting into the fact that there are guys where this is their life. You just had a kid, and when at the time that we recorded this interview it was right after the uh, it was right after the the Fortnite championship, where the kid who lives in Pennsylvania won all that money. It's big business. It's big shit. And video games have been a part of my life because for so long that's my outlet. Whether it was playing Madden or Mario or Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat or Killer Instinct, whether I was out here playing Super Mario Kart, you could take your pick on which Mario game. I even did a whole thread the other day on Twitter about the un the underratedness of Super Mario Brothers 2. I am also a guy who's deep in the weeds on that thing. And yes, I may not play Overwatch, but I know if I ever actually started playing Overwatch, I would get really into Overwatch. If I started playing Fortnite, I would probably get really into Fortnite. Because all that looks fun to me. And no, it doesn't make you a loser if you like video games. And no, it doesn't make you a nerd if you like video games. So what if you do? I don't care if you're if you're 15 years old or 45 years old. There's nothing wrong with being in a video game. Because guess what? Now we're to that point where people who are my age grew up on this shit. This is what it is. And it's a mega business. And by the way, no, it does not drive people to commit homicide it does not drive people to commit mass shootings if anything games like gta san andreas where when i first started my radio career i would come home from work i would turn on my xbox and i would throw on gta san andreas and i would play that shit for hours i would get on there and just wreak havoc and cause mayhem and see how quickly i could get to five or six stars and that relieved a lot of tension and a lot of stress it didn't drive me to violence. It probably kept me away from it. So any knucklehead politician, and you know who you are, out here claiming that violent video games are causing mass shootings, not guns, not the proliferation of guns, you know, not all the guns that are just so easy to access and the laws that pretty much don't stop anybody from accessing them. No, it's not that. It's somebody happening to make one random mention of Call of Duty. That's what did it. The Legend of Zelda is making people go out here and murder a bunch of innocent individuals. Get the fuck out of here, bro. And by the way, the hurricane was not going to hit Alabama either. Fucking dumbass. But that's beside the point. Video games are not just simply a way to blow off steam. It's not just a way to relieve stress. It is a way of life. 
for so many others. And it is big effing business. And it should be respected. It's opened the door for so many kids to be able to express themselves. And Aaron and I will talk about this. In fact, you know what? Let me just stop saying that. Let's get right down to it. Ladies and gentlemen, coming up after this break, we will get into a conversation with Cheddar Esports host. She also hosts co-host the grassroots podcast by the way and i'm going to put a link for that in the description too we're talking to miss aaron ashley simon coming up next here on the 101st episode of the people's podcast this is j s c radio and we'll be back with aaron simon after this you're listening to the people's podcast i'm not gonna be responsible for what happens next this is j s c radio It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to, are you? Kids, work, listening to the radio. You're busy, which is great because busy people can't get prediabetes. Oh my, I read that wrong. (laughs) They can. Should have worn my glasses. So visit doihaveprediabetes.org and take a short test because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. (laughs) Hey now, what's happening? Jay Scott Smith here. And I understand you like JSC Radio. I mean, if you didn't, you wouldn't be listening to me right now. But there's a better way to not only listen to JSC Radio, but to also get paid. You heard me. Get paid to listen to podcasts. Just get the PodCoin app on iPhone or Android. It's free and easy to use. It turns your podcast listening experience into money that can go to charity. Or if you just want to get an Amazon or a Starbucks gift card, just use PodCoin. For every podcast you listen to, you get PodCoin that goes into an account. By the way, the app is free. It goes into an account, and the more you listen, the more PodCoin you get. You can turn those PodCoins into gift cards. Seriously, just go get the PodCoin app, and you can even use the invite code JSC Radio. You'll get 300 PodCoin just for signing up if you use this show's code. Once again, use the invite code JSC Radio to get 300 PodCoin. Give it a try today. Go download the PodCoin app now and enjoy JSC Radio. You're listening to the People's Podcast. You can't say F you to your granddaughter? I just did, Morty. Here's dessert. F*** you. This is JSC Radio. Don't hate the player, hate the game, son. All right, so what do you guys think, though? Uh, what other crossover brand opportunities could could this, I guess, create? I don't know, maybe uh, Tupac in a romantic comedy now? His music in I like <laughs> I don't do you, know. Do what is think- ha- Hasbro's just going to sit on it? They're going to release like a compilation album, wow. one one or two unreleased songs. They, unless they let that intern Lamont mm-hmm. get, get to it, they, they <laughs> no, it just doesn't seem like a good buy. Unless like it's a safe well, buy. Well, unless you got to come to them for like what music if, if you want to make a movie yeah. about like Shug Knight or some shit. What if they made like a Death Row Monopoly? <gasps> Yo. That'd be fire. That'd be pretty dope. I mean, they keep putting out like different iterations of it, so I can see that. Yeah. We we what was the um what what, was what what would be the 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 pieces for them? Like 
I don't know. We'll like, be the peaceful. Well, the jail, the jail is obviously the jail. We know who. We're, <laughs> <laughs> jail yeah. is jail. Oh, no it would just be. It would probably be some of those titles like California Love. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like Boardwalk could be like Crenshaw. Yeah. Nah, Suge Knight Snoop- is, a, is a cigar. A cigar, yeah. yeah. Snoop no, Dogg's just well, a fucking blunt. It's, yeah, a, it's a Doberman Pinscher, man. It's a dog. Oh, yeah, what, 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 would, what, would, what would Dre be? Oh, man. A turntable? Turntable. A, a, what, what a would, drum? What would Cube be? A mic? What? Ice Cube? Ice an cube. Ice Cube. <laughs> ice Cube? I know. I feel like that would be cliche to give him to make him yeah. be an Ice Cube. That's the only reason why I didn't say or, Ice Cube. Oh. When, when was Ice oh. Cube a part of Death Row? You said what? When was I'm, Ice Cube a part of Death Row? I'm okay, he was not. <laughs> I know he's not. I'm just talking about just characters. Stay with me. This is the 101st episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back. Jay Scott Smith here, checking in from the Motor City this week. But before we get into our interview, again, want to thank each and every one of you who supports the show across all the different podcast providers, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud or Stitcher or iHeartRadio or Audioboom or Podcoin or Podchaser or you name it. If you put JSC Radio into your favorite podcast provider, you're probably going to find me. And I thank you very much for doing so. I want to remember, remember, check out the YouTube page, bit.ly slash JSCTube. The link to it is also in the description here. Subscribe, tap on that bell, and get notified when this whole thing jumps off. And one more time, cannot forget to follow me on social media at JScottSmith, J-A-Y-S-C-O, two T's, S-M-I-T-H, and at JSC Radio, both on Instagram and on the Twitter. Big up to my man Doc Illingsworth, who produces the soundtrack for this show. Doc Ills. You can follow him at Illingsworth on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow my man Awesome Jones, O-S-S-I-M-J-O-N-E-S, Awesome Jones, who did the intro cut for this entire show. It's called Blue Chucks. Go check him out on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash Awesome Jones. So I did this interview with Aaron Simon, and we talk about a little bit of everything dealing with gaming. We go into her her background, her upbringing, her past as a sports reporter. Oh, yes, we hit on a lot of different things. She's super cool. I did this interview a few weeks ago. We're finally able to get it down for you guys. And I want to thank you, as always, for supporting the show. This is the 101st episode of The People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio, and it's now time for my conversation with Aaron Ashley Simon of Cheddar Esports and the Grassroots Podcast. Let's talk about some gaming, y'all. always say I try to find compelling people to talk to because the C in JSC Radio stands for conversations. And I couldn't imagine having a better conversation about what we talked about in the first segment, my love of not just video games and of gaming, but also that people need to stop sleeping on how important it is to business. And no better person to have in here than one of the foremost, not just I consider experts, but just someone who really enjoys what we do as gamers. I welcome... Aaron Simon, on to JSC Radio. Welcome to the People's Podcast, and thank you so much for taking time to talk to me here. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to kind of get into this conversation. (laughs) So before I go further into this, I want to know what a little more about you. Like, where did you grow up? What got you into gaming? What inspired you to kind of get into video games? What Mm -hmm. started you there? What sent you down this path? Okay, so what kind of got me through this whole path of, like, gaming world is I've always been an avid gamer. My brother, I remember my brother's first console 
uh, when I was alive was Sega Genesis, and he played Sonic the Hedgehog a lot of that, and I was kind of like, in a sense, mesmerized. I was like, wow, what is this? It's so colorful. There's rings, there's so much noise and everything. Um, and then from there, I've been pretty much playing video games since then. You know, my family has always been very uh, big on technology, and they really do like video games and stuff like that. So that was something that, like, my parents embrace a lot, and also you know as long as they essentially said as long as you got good grades and everything like that like you can play as much video games as you want um and so i've been i pretty much own every single console growing up and i remember the days of like game boys the original xbox original playstation uh you know even before we used to have an arcade game in our basement and so in terms of that side of things you know video games have always been a part of my life uh, and then when it comes to media work, you know, I currently work at Terry Esports, but I've been working in media for, since I was 16, so about 10, 11 years. And wow. I've covered everything from traditional sports to music media. And then um, I would say last year, I started covering a lot more of the esports scene. Um, I, you know, I watched it a bit, uh, but really last year I jumped more into it. And so now we're here at Terry Esports where, you know, my main focus of coverage is more the traditional sports esports um teams and leagues and stuff like that and and i basically that's my main focus in terms of expertise or just knowledge and information that comes to our show but the only thing about center esports is it kind of forces you to gain knowledge in so many different sectors of esports whether it's the business side whether it is uh, adjustments and uh rules and regulations and teams and stuff like that so over time i've gotten to really understand and learn a lot more about the other uh, aspects of the esports scene too. So you mentioned you've covered like you covered traditional sports. What sports th- did you cover beforehand? Honestly, I've had to cover a lot of different sports. Uh, when I was doing some freelance work and internship for the Wall Street Journal's uh, sports department, literally I had to um, basically cover whatever they wanted me to cover. I mean, of course, they allowed me. They they had me focusing on sports that I already had knowledge about and I actually like enjoyed like football, basketball, even soccer. I remember back then um, it was the World Cup so I got to do a piece on the women's uh, national team and um, but then also like I went to the University of Kentucky so I covered a lot of our sports and I helped and assisted with our athletic department uh, when I was there as well. So but you know I've also had to do you know do some coverage on like unique angles of sports um you know when it comes to like social media like finding out like one of the most liked football players on facebook was at that time was michael vick which is kind of crazy because at that it was close to the time where the dog uh the dog abuse uh situation was happening it's about 10 years ago yeah yeah, and it, it was still like that stigma was still on him around that time. So it's crazy that, you know, even though that was the case, he was still the most liked and I, I assume followed uh, NFL player on Facebook. So these are like the different kind of angles and perspectives. And I've, I've always enjoyed telling unique stories. Um, and I think one of the things was uh, with my experience with covering media is honestly covering traditional sports and even music didn't like – I. I I would say it didn't challenge me as much as when I had to cover like a crime story and I had to do that um, for a local newspaper uh, in Lexington, Kentucky. And I also had to cover uh, a story about suicide in Kentucky. 
And I felt like just having all these diverse backgrounds in media, whether it was from a journalistic standpoint, as like a print and journal, uh, print and digital journalist, um, as a producer, social media, etc. All of it, all of it, kind of in a, in, a, in a very weird, interesting way, it prepared me for the career that I have now in esports and gaming because it includes all of that. And it's kind of awesome how there's this kind of there's this similarity between traditional sports and esports that I'm finding, and I'm able to kind of. Be the be someone who's kind of like an in betweener in the sense that like I can have conversations with esports people, but then I'm also able to effectively translate certain key things about the esports gaming scene to traditional sports people who may not quite understand it. And it's so crucial, especially with this time, because we're seeing a lot of execs and people from like the NFL and etc. that are actually transitioning over. I think there's recently there's a uh, I forget her name, but there's this woman. She was uh, part of the business development for the NFL for like ten plus years. Now she's part of the Call of Duty League, the new league. So it's cool that we're starting to see that, and uh, and I'm actually really excited just to see the relationship of traditional sports and esports growing closer because it's actually closer than people assume or even think. It's it's pretty wild how that is. I remember sitting in a newsroom about two years ago. When I was, because I'm, I'm still based out of Philadelphia, I was working at a different mm-hmm. station in Philly at the time, and the story of uh, Josh Harris, the owner of the 76ers, got into is getting into esports, and I know that they were planning on building an esports arena out in Atlantic City, and and the NBA was already getting into it to begin with, and all I heard from a lot of these grizzled old veteran journalists, a lot of the guys who had covered sports at one time, were they were mocking them. They're st- and this is 2017. They're still openly mocking them, saying, oh, they're just a bunch of lazy kids. Or they're just sitting. People are really going to go and pay money to see- to watch someone play video games. And I looked across the room, and I just said to them, you guys don't have a damn clue, do you, how big this is? Where the- I always said that esports was one of the things, if it were like a stock, I wish I had bought in early. Because I could tell, even from the very beginning, that this was going to be something massive maybe t- eight, ten years ago. And even down to seeing it how it is with guys on YouTube, where we laugh about this sometimes. It's like, you'll actually sit and watch people play video games on YouTube? Absolutely, I will. Because it's entertaining. It is. And whether it's something like the Game Grumps or like Dashy, I know J.D. Witherspoon does his thing, or it's the full-on, really hyper-competitive gaming leagues, there's so much money to be made in this. And it really is, not just as a form of entertainment, but but it's another avenue for people to be able to really do something and turn it into the career. Because we just had the Fortnite championship and people are astonished that these teenagers are winning millions of dollars doing this and suddenly it's not a laughing matter anymore. People aren't cracking jokes anymore saying, oh, they're just a bunch of loser kids playing video games. No, this is huge. It's massively huge. Yeah, it is. And I think that there's this disconnect because like, when people think about gaming, right, a lot of times they think about how they think of it based on their personal experience. So a lot of them didn't play gaming or play video games competitively. So they're thinking that it's more so that. But there there are strategies and adjustments when it comes to um, certain games. Like we, we didn't even talk to some um, of the Fortnite World Cup competitors and even just how they adjusted and how they had to adjust the patch updates or new, me- uh, new metas. Um, new heroes, which we are, are, are playable characters like in Overwatch, like Overwatch League just now uh, developed a two-two-two format, which they didn't have that before. They had a, I believe, a three-three. And then also, like for example, we're starting to see a lot more leagues and organizations that are actually becoming more city-based franchises. So, like the Overwatch League is now doing um, home stands, which is like 
getting close to home in a way, and they have city-based teams and franchises. Now the Call of Duty Pro League is starting to do that as well, and I'm sure we'll see other ones, like the NBA 2K League is expanding that. Um, and so there is a market, and these like, and I always tell people who kind of mock this scene is go to a big tournament. Like, go to the big tournament, actually see it in person, actually see how engaged these uh, viewers are. Go and maybe, if you can, go and see the training regiment for these pro gamers, right? They take this very seriously, and it's like, you know, and it, and, and it takes a lot of skill for them to be the top. Not every competitor within this, this scene is winning millions and millions of dollars. It's the top one. The same way that a lot of those same media people that are making jokes about esports are the same people who can't even play basketball themselves. So, <laughs> you know, that's what blows my mind sometimes. It's like you see some of these media people and they want to talk about this, this, and that, but it's like, you know, I could say the same thing for you. I could say, you've never played a top sport in your life, or you've never played basketball. Why are you covering basketball then? So there you go. Like, if, if I could say that to them and judge them for the fact that you're covering a sport that you yourself have no top-level experience with, but yet you feel the need to give your own opinion on it, like, why can't, why, if, if you can do something in this space, why can't, why can't a kid be professional and actually train and, and have a regiment for gaming? You know, it, it's like it's like if you see irrationality in them being top gamers, then um, there's an irrationality in the fact that you've never played basketball or football in your life, but yet you're covering it and you're giving your opinion on it, but you've never played it a past peewee level. So, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's wild. <laughs> what is it like being a woman of color in this space? Um, being a woman of color in this space, there's, I mean, obviously there's pros and cons, just the same way there are in. Uh, traditional sports, right? Uh, and as someone like myself whose face is a lot more out there, especially because I'm doing media work, of course I'm more susceptible to uh, the toxic side of some communities when it comes to like, you know, the N-word and people being ridiculous and all that stuff, right? Um, but I think that, you know, it, it's going to take someone like myself and it's going to take more uh, women of color, women, Latin, uh, Latinas, etc., um, to put ourselves out there because then it, it, it representation matters and representation, diversity, and inclusion are still important conversations that we're having in esports and gaming. Like, um, there's a there is a recent news of this a young deaf girl who made uh, who's who got selected as part of Phase Clan. Now she's a member of Phase Clan, which is really big because Phase Clan was is um, was male dominated. Now they have a young lady on it, um, but now it's like okay, we're we're still in this phase where like that or Chiquita Evans being the first woman gamer, and all of them deserve these accolades. But it's like you know, I also kind of want to get to a point where a woman joining a pro team is not like a headline story. It's like a common thing, you know. It, it's a, so, it's not a it's it's like how if you hear of a black a black guy getting a coaching job, where we want to get to the point where it's like the NBA, where it's not a big deal that a black you have a black coach on your team, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and so like that's that's like something I would like to see change is like not and not change in the sense of like they don't deserve the headlines. They do deserve the headlines, but I definitely want this to be something that's more of a common thing. And and that's why you know for myself, being a woman of color and putting myself out there and talking about gaming is so important because representation is very important. Despite what some people think, it is super important. There's so many kids can look at this and be like, wow. I've had like like I've spoken to um, so one of my professors from college, uh, Professor Buck Ryan. He, um, 
he had me talk to his class and like some of them were like they didn't even know they can have a career in this space but the fact that they have seen me and he showed he's shown some of the shows that i've worked on um it it, it allows people who love video games and esports who may not be pro gamers realize that there are other career paths that you can have in this space um and also you know there are people just like themselves in this space as well so it's been a good experience you know like i said obviously i've dealt with like the n-word and some crazy stuff but overall i've had a lot of support i've had a lot of people who are who are appreciate what i bring to this community and are happy that you know i'm serious about the stories that we tell in the interviews and stuff like that and i and i, and I really try to convey the messages from the esports community and the gaming community back to the traditional sports and and traditional media outlets and, and do it in a way where you know a lot of people are trying to jump in this space because they see the dollar signs but it's just like you got to come in with the right intentions and understand and treat this like not every esports competition is the same same way that yeah baseball and football are, are sports but they have different set of rules they have different amount of players per team and stuff like that right oh yeah even like you know, even with the uh, uh, salary caps. So, say to the esports leagues, it's under esports, but Overwatch League is run different than how the Fortnite World Cup is. So, just little things. Um, but I do love the fact that, like, you know, I do have like professional athletes and artists and stuff like that are now reaching out to me because they want to figure out how to get into this space or or how to how to showcase their passion for gaming in a way that it doesn't like turn off the community or turn off their current fans so by by naturally doing this i'm kind of becoming a liaison and kind of being like a middle person so i'm happy and uh, i'm really excited for what's in store especially for cheddar eastwood we have so much going on and i love how they support me as uh not only a gamer media person but also as a black woman they're very supportive here so it's been great so i guess a little, let me get a little background on you now and now where are you originally from because you because clearly you you came up in a family as you've laid out there that is very open to you being a gamer because i know some communities of color or even different generations where i'm a little bit older than you and, and i remember the idea of a kid playing video games all day was just frowned upon laughed at i have this funny story from when i was when i was i think i was nine years old they used to have the old nintendo world championships and they were coming to detroit this is about 1990 no, i was actually 11 years old they were coming to detroit and i wanted to go and I still remember my mother just almost mocking me, saying, why would you want to go to a place to watch people play video games? And this is in 1990. And I'm just, I, I was just heartbroken, devastated by this. But it's like some people are, now it's a lot more open. You're a little bit younger than I am, and you've, you came up in a family that was more open to that. So like, what was, what's more of your background? Like, how did you, like, how you grew up and you were able to play with the different consoles, which makes me super yeah. jealous. As <laughs> you were able to get through all of them, I was a Nintendo guy. I didn't do a lot of the Sega stuff until I got into college. But you were you you've had a lot of. It sounds like you've had a lot of really cool experiences. So where did that begin for you? So I was born. Um, I was born in Abington, Pennsylvania, and so like my dad's originally from Philadelphia, and then my mom's originally from New York. Uh, but my family has always been kind of like open to different like arts and, and, and technology and stuff like that. I mean, we are very much a tech family, but then also like we are very much into expression, expressing yourself and arts and stuff like that because my family is very mixed. So I'm, I'm a lot of different things in terms of <laughs> ethnicities, but I mostly identify with being black and Puerto Rican. And so, 
you know, my family has always been different and has always embraced being different. So with that comes embracing different hobbies and interests and stuff like that. It wasn't like anything where like my, anytime I, like I was into like photography, art, uh, you know, video games, stuff like that. My parents saw it more so of like me becoming more well-rounded um, and especially because, like, you know, I, I once upon a time, I you know, I grew up in a single household. But now, you know, my stepdad has been around in my life for a very long time. And he actually created one of the first video games for the Commodore. Wow. So, yeah. And so that's like just that alone shows like how much my family is just is so embraced with that side. And my parents always wanted me to be a well-rounded woman because they felt like in life to open your eyes and ears to things that are out there and, and, and life in general will ultimately bring you more experiences and make you a better person at the end of the day. Um, and so, you know, when I, so I was always doing different things. Like I played video games. I was a top soccer player. I was into photography. I loved painting and, you know, I loved reading books and there wasn't really anything that my parents were like, no, because everything that I've did and still do is all very much positive and it's all very much um, focused on me diversifying my experiences, my knowledge, but then also there's important skill sets. I think that's the interesting thing too, right? Because when people think of video games, they're like, oh, it's a waste of time and etc. But funny enough, they're actually starting to use video games to hire people now. They're, they utilize video games for cognitive uh, developments. They're utilizing video games for medical purposes. Like, so video games actually have benefits that you can utilize. You know, um, and it's funny enough how you know how people on social media now, like they meet people or they make friends with people on social media, um, like just on Twitter. Yeah. Oh yeah. We were, yeah. But the funny thing is, we gamers have been doing that with video games ever since we had the capabilities of playing on Xbox Live. We we're making friends online before we even met them in person. And that's what people are doing on social media. Like, that was the social setting in gaming. And gaming is still very social-based. Um, you know, just like, it just has the online capabilities. But what they don't understand, or maybe what they don't see is, there's also local events. And, uh, uh, like, like for one of the biggest fighting game tournaments, EVO, a lot of people in the, in the FGC, which is the fighting gaming community, they're all going to Vegas to link up, to go to the, watch this tournament, or to compete in this tournament. So, you know... I, just having that experience and and i know it kind of like went on a little bit of a rant but like i my parents as you can tell like i'm very passionate about this and, I, and it's something that i love like i love video games as much as i love sports and as love as much as i love music and it's like i'm, I'm able to find a path that like i can incorporate all but i wouldn't have been able to do that if my family haven't wasn't open to me being able to pursue all these passions but like i said it stems from the fact that like my family is very mixed and we were mixing when it was illegal so we have <laughs> never been we've never been a family where we look down upon anyone's career anyone's hobbies any like any of that you know at the end of the day my family came my mom's side came from puerto rico my uh, dad's side, originally from Virginia, moved to Philadelphia, and the one thing is they all said it's just hard, be hard worker, hard working, and get your education. That was the most important thing for them. Everything else that you want to do, as long as those aren't effect affected, cool. It sounds like your family doesn't want to operate in this monolith. That 
some communities of color, we can be guilty of that. We will occasionally operate in a monolith, like, oh, well, you're into that. That's something that white people do. That's I've heard that way too many times about gaming and so many other things. Oh, that's something that was like, no, somebody had to be the first to do something. And occasionally, maybe we just enjoy it. And it's so cool to hear that. You mentioned music. Like, what kind of, what, what are you listening to? Oh, man. Honestly, I listen to all, like, like, I was never, like, of course I grew up around hip-hop. So my uncle's cousin is who from Dos Effect. So hip-hop was always played around what? in my family. I, um, wh- wait, wait, from Dos Effects. One of yes, my favorite, too. one of my favorite groups when I was a teenager, Diggity Dos Effects. That's wow. Okay, that's super yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's super cool. Like, so like growing up, like my uncle played a lot of hip hop. My family did. And then my family was always big and like into R and B and just. Um, so I was into all sorts of music. I'm the kind of like I'm someone who. I, like obviously like I love hip hop and I love R&B but then also like I'm open to listening to country if it makes sense and I'm always I'm interested in pop I even listen to classical music sometimes it helps me concentrate um but like I listen to like you know old school acts like obviously Das Effects and then Wu-Tang and a few others um but then also you know I'm listening to like younger cats like y- YBN Corday his project is really solid solid um, I checked out previously the Dreamville um, uh, project with the entire uh, entire team. They had a really dope posse cut on there. Uh, I listened to R&B, old school R&B and new school. Um, I have a very wide uh, taste in music, um, but I also like sometimes. And honestly, it really depends on my on my vibes too. Like today, I was listening to a lot of Motown. Um, and then yesterday I was listening to, what was I listening to? Yesterday I was listening to, oh, this, oh, so this, uh, producer, artist, uh, Masego, I was listening to him. And then some days, like I had like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys on, like I do this thing, like before every single show for Cheddar Esports, I'm like, what are you guys feeling today? And I'll play music, and then usually usually they're just like, "Hey, Aaron, play whatever you want to play." And I'll always play like a different vibe every single day, but they'll love it just because I listen to so much music all the time. Um, there's honestly not a day that I'm not listening to music, honestly. Um, so I love all of it, to be honest. We it sounds like we have that in common. And and by the way, being the guy from Detroit, I greatly appreciate the Motown. <laughs> it's like Motown is always in my ear all the time. I grew up in a house where my dad sang he grew up singing in church and he's big and he was a teenager when motown and everything was like really hitting and now he he got into the old 70s funk music the disco music and i was a hip-hop guy growing up obviously because hip-hop came into its own late 80s early 90s but his thing is he would always hear what i was listening to and say hey that sounds like a song that's in my record collection that sounds like a song in my record collection and he he shows me the record collection and i'm like geez this is more dope than some of the stuff I've been listening to in the rap albums. And I got I got bigger into the 70s disco. And my, I have a Spotify playlist that's like so many friggin' songs and it's all over the place. Like it's it's everywhere. So I I can I obviously respect that because music does kind of dictate moods. I'll be in a newsroom and my headphones will be on and I'm prepping for shows. And they're like, what are you listening to? It's like, dude, you really I don't think you'd really understand. Because some days it's Royce the Five Nine, and some days it's The Temptations. It all depends on the mood I'm in, and I can I can go to a bunch of different places and just kind of be there and be in there. It's 
it does that for you. And I think that's that. I think that's that's one reason why you jumped out to me so much is because there's such a different there's there's such a diverse vibe to you that there's not one thing you're into, and there's and it speaks to what I think is really cool about this this millennial generation. Being I'm like the oldest possible millennial, but this millennial generation is that there's so much openness to diversity of not just simply race but diversity of thought diversity of interest in music and and being more open to certain things where the gen xers and especially the boomers we we weren't always receptive to that and it's just interesting that when i when i talk to people like you it's just like okay so at least i knew i wasn't just out on this island by myself (laughs) being this different this, this slightly different cat yeah, and I think that's important. I think that, like, having, you know, you're diversifying interests and perspectives honestly make for better conversations moving forward. Um, but it's also hard, and I understand it, because people, we're in, like, a period, I wouldn't, I mean, I would say period of time. I mean, I don't, I guess you could say time range, but, like, where having differing opinions or thoughts is kind of like looked upon in a bad way, you know? Yeah. And, you know, there's plenty of times where, you know, I always tell people that, you know, most people don't listen to, um, they, well, they, they, they listen to react. They never listen to understand. And that's one of the biggest problems, and especially with social media, uh, you're, you know, with this ability of being rewarded for having outlandish commentary or to respond in an outlandish uh, period of, like, a moment, um, you know, it kind of dilutes this ability of having differing thoughts and opinions and feelings, everything like that. And so, you know, I always try, I mean, it's not that I always try, like, I'm always someone who is, like, very, like, open with my thoughts. And I always joke around about it because I'm just like, Ugh, I'm a black Puerto Rican woman. Like, you're going to hear my opinions whether you like it or not. Um, <laughs> you're getting these opinions one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, but I joke about it because I'm, I actually do really listen. And even when people have, you know, uh, opposing thoughts or even opposing um, interests and stuff like that, I'm always interested in learning. And I think that's also just like my journalistic side. Um, I like learning about different things and I like hearing about different um like how people think and how they process and how they view things differently from everyone else. Um, and it's funny enough because I actually had a conversation with my coworkers not too long ago and he and he even was like, thank you so much for like the way that you communicate with me. Because even though we, we were talking about just like social disparities and just how like the perception of social issues and things, you know, can stem from the fact of how we were upbringing, where ethnicity is, because like, you know, he's Jewish and white and how he viewed things, you know, there were certain things that he didn't even process in his mind because he is Jewish and white. And exactly. Like, can't blame him for that, you know? But then it's just like, you know, I talked to him from my perspective and then there were some things where he, like, he had his thoughts and I was like, oh, no, you're, I, I agree with you on that. And so, you know, I think it's important for us to continue to open our eyes, mind, and ears because that's the only way that we're going to make things better just overall, you know, not just for ourselves, but just overall better in the world and, and society and etc and i think that like if people were more open to allowing kids to pursue like you know the gaming scene or just be like just you may not have to understand it but just be okay with the fact that there are kids that like watching other people play video games it's, it's like the same way that people like watching people play football exactly you know? it's, it's it can be exciting and entertaining for them so um 
so yeah I just hope that like you know with, with people listening to this or people engaging with me or people just engaging with others I hope that they aren't afraid to express their different interests and hobbies because ultimately like you never know who's watching and you may you may help someone in the end by showcasing and really discussing and, and, and highlighting the other hobbies and interests that you might not otherwise have showcased so it's super important yeah i told you that conversation would get pretty deep and it didn't just deal with video games however we will get to the topic at hand coming up after this break plus Aaron and I also talk about how this generation of kids and teens and young adults is finally able to embrace being who they are and not just through esports and video games. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 101st episode. Oh, yeah, we just keep on rolling, baby, of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio, and we'll be back with more from Aaron Simon. You're listening to the People's Podcast. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. This is JSC Radio. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go, Fish Dad! Oh, come on! <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Okay, so five tacos of cheese and a large soda, that's $10,012. Please drive around. Wait, 10,000 what? It's obvious you're buzzed and driving. I've only had a few, I'm fine. Yeah, the food's 12 bucks, but getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Please drive around. Actually, just park and come in. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You're listening to the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. This is the 101st episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back. Jay Scott Smith here. And yes, we are back at it. I apologize for the delay of getting this episode up, but life, a birthday, and more importantly, a missing tooth called, and that kind of changed a lot of plans. It's good to be back here, though. I want to thank each and every one of you who support the show across the social media handles. Of course, you can follow me at Jay Scott Smith. That's J-A-Y-S-C-O, two T's, S-M-I-T-H. You can follow the show at JSC Radio, and that's on both Twitter and Instagram. I'm also on Facebook at Real J. Scott Smith, verified on there. Yes, sir. And don't forget to, of course, support my man, Doc Illingsworth, who produces the majority of the soundtrack you hear on the show. Follow him at Illingsworth. Shout out to my man, Awesome Jones, who did the cut that opens the show. You can follow him at Awesome Jones, O-S-S-I-M-J-O-N-E-S. That's also his name on SoundCloud, where you can check out all his music, soundcloud.com slash Awesome Jones. It's also soundcloud.com slash Illingsworth. And I want to thank you all for supporting the show across every single podcast provider, whether you're listening to this show right now on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, on iHeartRadio, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and CastBox, and PodCoin, and Radio Public, and everywhere else that you can get your damn podcasts. But now we get back to our conversation with Aaron Simon, and we pick it up talking about this generation of kids, young adults, teens, 
everybody finally being able to fully embrace who they are. Because Erin came up in a household that allowed her to be her, and it shows in the person she is now. She's undyingly positive, which is something we really need a lot more of these days, too, by the way. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is episode 101 of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio, and let's get back to our conversation with Erin Simon. I was saying the other day to someone, and I mean this in the best possible way, that this is the first generation of black kids, kids of color, this might be the first generation where kids of color are really allowed to be weird and really embrace things that people always perceived as weird or odd or different. Where now a kid can, if a kid's into video games, if he's black, he doesn't get the crap that maybe someone like me got in 1987 or 1988, where it's like, how can you be into video games as weird or even in the early 90s? Where now, if you're into this sort of thing, there's a place where a kid can go and be felt, be seen and be, it's like, this is me. These people, mm-hmm. these people get me. These people are into me. If you're into the arts, you're into dancing, whatever it is. You're into you're into, into doing engineering. There's people who are big into just like doing code. All these different things. You're not. You don't feel as ostracized anymore because now you feel seen, and it helps to have people like you. Where it's like, okay, I can, It is cool to do these things. It is interesting to do these things. You're not just some. You're not not. You're not considered a nerd. Or being a nerd is actually a good thing now. And I like how you mentioned, by the way, that. Nuance is a word I love to use a lot because we have it in social media. We don't have enough nuance in conversations. It's either all or nothing. Someone just makes a blanket statement and that's it. There's not nuance. There's not there's not detail. And we need to have more of that because people don't listen. They hear a lot of things and they react, as you said, but they don't listen. And that's I, I, it's it's interesting that you say that because it, it does make a lot of sense with me. And, I, and you said we both see it in social media every single day. Like all the time, it's it's out it's outrageous. It is, and it's it's interesting because a lot of times I ask people what what is what is the general consensus to what is normal and what is weird. There's really no generalized like this is considered normal. It's all based upon the person's own person, uh, the person's individual uh, preferences, their thoughts, and their own feelings. Absolutely. Right? And I, that's why, like, I I always strive for people to not say, like, oh, that's normal or, oh, that's weird, because those are two, what I like to call, like, extreme uh, ag- adjectives, like, in terms of describing something. Too far into the spectrum. It, yeah, it's, it's a very generalized term. And I always believe that generalization is not ever a good thing. And so it's funny because people are like, oh, it's... It's cool to play video games now. It was weird before. When in my eyes, I'm like, no. It was always cool to play video games. You guys just changed your perspective of it. But a lot of us are the same. And so, you know, and and I like how you said that, like, black kids are able to to be in this space, like, and to be expressive of ourselves. That's what I like to say, expressive. I don't even like to say weird. It's just we're being more expressive of ourselves and being more of ourselves. Exactly. And it applies to, and it's not just even black kids. I think just the youth in general are becoming more comfortable with being themselves. Like, we're seeing more people who are expressing interest in stuff that they may not otherwise. Like, we're seeing the the growth of Afropunk, right? We're, uh, We're seeing... The, uh, the growth of the of, of kids being open with their sexuality from the LGBTQ plus community. So I think that it's just more so like we ourselves are more comfortable with being ourselves. 
And I think that's what the key thing. Like kids, you are they don't they they don't care what you think about esports or gaming. They just love being a part of it, and they love watching people play video games. And to them, that's the part of who they are, and they're gonna do it whether these older people or just individuals like it or not. And so, you know, sometimes you gotta you gotta sometimes things have to grow, and you have to force people to change their perspective, like. As you like, as for you being a hip hop fan and me, remember that time when hip hop was looked upon as being a bad, weird thing. If if we thing. if 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 we ever get to talk at longer at, at length about other things off air, I got some stories about how hip hop, just being being eight nine years old when rap music first really took off in the mid to late eighties, I got some stories about how people looked at hip-hop. It's like the black community, the older black community, the boomer black community looked at hip-hop the way that they looked at rock and roll in the 50s and 60s. It's going to ruin society. It's like that sort of thing. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's. I, that's why I've always been more open to because I remember what it was like in 1993, 94, 95, where my dad would dismiss rap as, oh, that's not going to last long, to 10 years later, he's sitting in his backyard listening to my Tupac albums. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Pop, I put you out there like that, but it's 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 real. That's that's very real. It, it's it's interesting. We'll we'll do a little rapid fire here to close this out. Now, you mentioned you've had all the different consoles. Which one would you go for, the Dreamcast or the GameCube? Mm, that's a good one. Um, wow, that's a good one. Uh. I think I'm going to go. Wow. I think, you know what? I'm going to go with the Dreamcast. I'm going to go with the Dreamcast because the Dreamcast, even though its run was not that long, it had a lot of great, great video games. It really did. For like Crazy Taxi, Jet Set Radio, 2K, like. All these different video games and it was definitely like ahead of its time and it set a precedent for other consoles moving forward um but i also do believe that even though, even though gamecube was a system that um a lot of people bought especially for melee which i love as one of my favorite games oh absolutely um, yeah i still in some capacity feel like people like people like the GameCube itself is underrated under, in, in, in some aspects, I feel like. But yeah, I'm gonna go with Dreamcast for this one. Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat? Which series? Ah, uh, uh, dang. I was gonna, okay, so in terms, oh, wow, this is super hard. I came prepared. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll, I'm gonna say, well, Street Fighter. I'm gonna go with Street Fighter. Mortal Kombat, uh, I played a lot of Street Fighter before, um, but I've been actually playing MK11 a lot more. Um, Street Fighter now with Street Fighter Five, for me, just like it, it's a little bit harder to play, especially with the combos than Mortal Kombat. Um, so, but back in the day, I, I loved Street Fighter, um, and so I, I definitely liked that more. Even though the one thing I don't like about Street uh, Street Fighter before was the <laughs> horrible representation of uh, certain characters when it comes to the stereotypes of their ethnicity. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> definitely gotten better with it, but it was pretty <laughs> bad. <laughs> it was pretty bad. But, uh, it, it's yeah. like we get a moment here. 
how problematic were some video games back in the day? Like some of these were like, if you look at this today, it's like, wow, <laughs> like how did we get away with that? Oh my gosh! I listen. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea, but I'm happy that it's starting to get better. I mean, there's still problems, but it's definitely better before, uh, better than it was before. Which one do you feel is the best uh, Grand Theft Auto game? enjoy Grand Theft Auto 5 especially when the online play because they're actually doing mods now for um, the online game which is like really cool and entertaining but for me the one that I felt like was so instrumental in the entire series was San Andreas that was the most important and, and instrumental title for Grand Theft Auto GTA San Andreas is for so many years the Mario games. I mean, I'm a big Mario guy. Like Super Mario, I could play Super Mario World anytime. Like it's the first time I've ever seen it. GTA San Andreas, I, I half jokingly say this changed my whole view of video games because that was like playing a movie. It was watching a movie. It was so real, and maybe because it was it was seeing, albeit somewhat stereotypical, seeing a black character be the focal point of a video game like that did something for me. It did. And it was hood and it was wild and it was fun. And there are days where I would I could follow the, the, the missions. And then there were some days when I was so stressed out from work, I'll sit there for two hours and just see how quickly I can get to five or six stars and just get after it. Yeah, San Andreas was it was a pardon the pun. It was a game changer. It really was in so many ways. Yeah, it really was. And also, uh, I felt like San Andreas, like, I mean, Vice City, yeah, but I really felt like San Andreas, when it came to the radio station, was very influential, especially when it comes to, like, you know, kids in, like, suburban areas that aren't used to, like, old school rap or, you know, R&B or anything like that. And it was funny because I, I tweeted it out before. I said the Grand Theft Auto's radio station was the Spotify Discovery before Spotify even was there. I'm <laughs> saying Oh my God! Yeah, that was it. Was so great because between that game and NBA Street Volume Two, they had two of the best like hip hop playlists I'd ever seen in video games. Where mm-hmm. it's like those games straight up spoke to me between those two, and I, I had two stations on on GTA San Andreas that I would always just have going. I would occasionally straight to the rock station just to hear what they had on there, but it was always like just give me these two rap stations and just leave me alone. <laughs> let's 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 make this work out. We got to we or the or the old school station. We got to bang this out. It was an experience. Yes. It was it was not just a game. Yeah, it truly was an experience. And I guess one final question here. We could go on this all day. You're stuck on an island. You have the capabilities to play one game and one game only. What is it? Mm, one game and one game only. That's a good question. Um, wow. One game, I can only play one game. What would that one game be? Wow, that's a doozy. That really is a good question, because I'm, like, trying to think, like, how I'm thinking is, like, I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to be stuck on an island, what's a game that I could play consistently that's going to be a different experience that I will enjoy? Uh, 
Honestly, I probably would just do... Honestly, I would just probably do Grand Theft Auto. Because when I'm stuck on an island, I can't play online. If mm-hmm. I could play online, it would be a different game. But, like, I think I'd probably do Grand Theft Auto because there's so much more that you can do. And I can constantly, like, do... Like, like come up with, like, random objectives, like collect certain cars and, uh, you know, try to evade the cops. Uh, just all these different things. And I felt like... There's so much that, just so much like creativity that can be put into, especially if I have the capabilities to mod to use uh to uh, do mods. So, yeah, I'll probably do like a Grand Theft Auto game. Aaron, I really appreciate this. How can people find you? How can people reach you bet- between social media and the multitude of things you do? And, and of course, I know you've got a podcast. Definitely put that out there and put that over. Yeah, no problem. So everyone can follow me at Aaron A. Simon, E-R-I-N as in Nancy, the letter A-S-I-M as in mother, O-N as in Nancy. It is, uh, that is my username for all social media platforms. And uh, you can also find the podcast that I have, my friends, Grassroots Podcast, my work at Twitter Esports, and pretty much anything that I do, whether it's work or personal, is all going to be on my social media. So if they just check out my Twitter, Instagram, all that, they're going to be able to catch all the fun that I'm taking part in. Aaron Simon, thank you so much for coming on JSC Radio. We could have done this for two hours, and it probably still wouldn't <laughs> have gotten it all in. But thank you so much for coming on with me and continued success to you because you're really kicking ass out there and i am i am super stoked that you came on with me no problem thank you and there you have it another one in the books and i want to thank aaron for coming in and doing that for me because she's got a hell of a busy schedule just like i do just like jamel did just like so many other people who come on this show so anybody who gives me 45 minutes to an hour of their time. I am absolutely grateful for that. So again, be sure to follow her on Twitter at Aaron A. Simon. Aaron, E-R-I-N, letter A, Simon, all one word on Twitter and on Instagram. She's verified just like I am. She is verified on there. So again, Aaron A. Simon, you can check her out. Check out the Grassroots Podcast. I've got the link to that in the description. It's also going to be on YouTube as well. I'll put the YouTube description there as well. So check them out. Check out that show. Show them some damn love. And thank you so much once again for coming on this show. It's time to get ready for episode one on two because now business has started to pick up here. People really want to F with the show. And next week, I have an interview I did in Miami during an ABJ with a very fascinating young woman who's got a great story. And she's very raw, very real about the PR business. Her name is Leanne Weeks. And I was able to talk to her while in Miami during an ABJ. And you'll get that next week on episode 102. But for now, on episode 101, take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. Until episode 102. Goodbye, everybody. You're listening to the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio.
heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.